You are now listening to the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. Wait, the answer was Add 10 Gallons? Add 10 Gallons. My first thought was, we got to put Axe Chill in there. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> Trucks on the way. On the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I've got two observations, uh, neither of which are really educated or well thought out. <laughs> which are like most of my observations are. There aren't a lot of problems on a job site that can't be solved with a sack full of biscuits. Today's episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast is brought to you by Actigel 208. Actigel 208 is a high-performance additive for the concrete industry that is greatly beneficial to the producer. It enables them to increase the percentage of manufactured sand by up to 100% and completely replace all the natural sand in the mix. In areas where natural sand is scarce, inconsistent, and expensive, this provides a huge benefit to any ready-mix company out there. Benefits of manufactured sand and concrete include consistent air content, improved compaction, and increased density. Now in the past, the downside of using manufactured sands was that they were hard to pump, hard to place, and hard to finish. Well, Actigel 208 solves all those issues. By improving suspension, stability, and the quality of the cement paste in the mix, Actigel overcomes the old issues with manufactured sand and leaves them behind. Let Actigel 208 improve the quality of your mix while saving money on every yard you produce. For more information, visit us at actigel.com. That's A-C-T-I-G-E-L dot com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. I'm Josh, joined by the boys, as always, Joey and Paul. Joey, what's going on, man? Uh, not a whole lot, man. Excited to be here again. Yes, sir. Yeah, we are We are making content. That's the, that's the name of the game here, because we have deprived our listeners for far too long. <laughs> we try to get more content out, but uh, you know, here we are back again. Paul, what's going on? I'm a little offended. I drove all the way here to the podcast studio. And you asked Joey how he felt before you asked me how I felt for the first time. This is 28 episodes now. This is the first time you asked him first. I'm try- trying to think, like, what did I do wrong? Why do you hate me? Well, we're switching it up. That's the theme of today's episode. We are, we're <laughs> switching it up big time here. And as Paul alluded to, we are, we are several episodes in. I mean, we are uh, over 30 uh, downloadable bits of content in. Uh, as far as our episodes go, it's 28 or 29 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, we, we have several guests. We've had a few guests come back for a second appearance, covered many topics of interest uh, throughout the concrete industry. But, uh, you know, now that we got you, now that we got you lured in, and now that, uh, you know, you're hanging on every episode, and as soon as it becomes available, the first thing you do is go and download that episode and, and give it a listen because we're the highlight of your day. Now that we finally got you, we're going to talk about Actigel 208. <laughs> that was our plan from the beginning. Guerrilla marketing tactic 101. You give the people what they need, and then once you got them firmly in their grasp, you sell them something. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is a two-year plan. Talk about the long con. Yeah. <laughs> with that lead-up, or lead-in, I should say, with that lead-in, uh, it's going to be hard to believe this now for the listener, but this episode actually has been requested on more than one occasion where people have asked us to elaborate more on the Actigel 208 product. I mean, you guys hear the 
ad read from Joey in his very best radio voice to lead in the show. And, uh, you know, we reference it every once in a while, whether it's between ourselves or, or with a guest. And people have asked on multiple occasions, want to know a little bit more about it. So that's what we're here to do today. We're going to tell you all the ins and outs of the product and uh, its specific use in concrete, but how it got to that point is a pretty interesting story. So let's jump into it. Yeah, I think it's actually good if we start with who Active Minerals is. Active Minerals is the company we work for. ActiGel is the product that uh, we're putting into concrete. Active Minerals have been around for like 50, 60 years in some form or fashion. Started as like an import-export trading company dealing with industrial minerals. And now we own our own manufacturing facilities across the southeast. We have leases on land or work with people who have leases on land to get clay mined out of the southeast United States, manufactured, bagged, and then sold all around the world. So for this company, we're one of the top 50 exporters out of the United States, top five out of Port of Savannah. It's got a lot of material moving to Japan, China, Korea, uh, all over the United States, all over Europe. And it's pretty interesting to see what our regular sales team does, where they're selling it to paints, electronic-grade fiberglass, which is super interesting, uh, the oil field market, all kinds of cool stuff. And rubber markets, uh, both hard and soft rubber, Josh actually knows a lot more about that than I do. And then we've got this product, ActiGel, that goes into concrete. And Joey actually knows uh, a little bit of the history on how ActiGel got created. Yeah, so ActiGel, like so many other excellent products, uh, was kind of made by accident in a lab. <laughs> and uh, it was our former CEO, Dennis Parker, he was messing around in our lab down in Georgia around the 2000, 2001 time frame there. So ActiGel in itself has been around for you know 21 to 22 years, which is kind of crazy to think about. It's even crazier to think about something's been around for 20-something years and... It's just been in this millennia. I don't know. It's it's weird to me. When I think 20, personally, when I think of some 20 years, I think back in the 90s. Uh, but that's actually 30-something years now that I can vividly remember something. So that's terrible. <laughs> well, it, even scarier than that is when we were growing up in the 90s, what they call classic rock was in the 70s. So right now, classic rock would be the Backstreet Boys era. <laughs> yeah, Nirvana. Nirvana's on classic yeah. rock radio now. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, t uh, 20-something years ago, Dennis Parker was uh, messing around down in the lab, and uh, they were actually trying to make a self-dispersing super atapole guide for the paint industry. Now, the reason they were, having, they were wanting to do that is because, you know, usually when you add atapole guide to paint, from what I hear, you have to add a dispersant along with it to help spread it out and, and help atapole guide do uh, what it needs to do. So they were trying to make a self-dispersing out of pole guide, and they ended up making this purified super out of pole guide, which we now call ActiGel. Hey, do you, do you know what they called it uh, when they first made it? They gave it a code name. Do you know what the code name was? No, I do not remember that. What was it? Do you know? So you know like when Coke made Surge, and they didn't want to get out that they were trying to make a competitive product to Mountain Dew? They called it MDK, Mountain Dew Killer. Well, Dennis Parker took the same approach with ActiGel. He didn't know what to call it, so he named it TSW. I, I did know that, actually. Yeah. 
this shit works. <laughs> TSW. Man, I can't believe I didn't know that because I would have remembered that one. I must not have just never heard it. But I'm for sure going to bring that up more in my everyday life now. So the reason that Act of, that Actigel was so much better than just, you know, regular Olatopol guy was one, it could be dosed at one-tenth, you know, the dosage rate as normal Olatopol guy. So there's a tremendous cost savings right there, just, you know, when you get into the paint and all these other industries where Olatopol guide is being used. And so they were actually trying to figure out what all they could use this purified super Olatopol guide now known as Actigel, they were trying to figure out what all they could use product into. And so then it kind of developed into the concrete market, and Paul has a lot more uh, knowledge about that on how it got started into uh, concrete. Yeah, you know, it's funny how it fell into concrete because those other avenues where they wanted to go with it, the paint market and different things, it was hard to get Actigel in there because although at a pole guy it was used as a suspension aid, it was also used as a filler. And so when you reduce the dosage rate, you know, by 90%, well, all of a sudden now you need a new filler. And so you're going to these formulations that are around a long time with a very stable product in Adipol Guide. And now they're like, well, hey, you need a new filler. And in these markets that we're talking about, paint and different things, to bring in a new filler and reformulate like that, I mean, you're decades to get that done. And it has been done. So that there are paints and there are biologics and different things that use Actigel now instead of Adipolgite. But that was the long game. And they were looking for you know more immediate return to get Adipolgite started in concrete. Harold Faber is a distributor of ours in Europe. He gets a hold of Actigel, and Dennis Parker's like, hey, man, anything you can do with this, that'd be great. Let us know because we're putting in everything, and we're just not getting any traction and so he goes out with it, and Harold's a legit genius, and he finds it works really well in concrete. And his very first stuff he puts it in is like puts. It's like a very thick, very, very hard, very strong plaster that they use in Germany, which Harold was in Germany and, and in the Netherlands primarily. And so it was an immediate fit there for what Axel does. And then he t- takes it in a completely opposite direction. So puts, you're thinking something really dry, sticks on a wall, compounds upon itself, has great strength characteristics. And he goes literally the other direction, and he puts it in self-leveling overlayments and underlayments. And so now he's got powder actigel in these bagged formulations in the wettest concrete you can imagine. And then he's also got it in the driest concrete-type formulation you can imagine. And that's where he made hay. I mean, unbelievable amount of product gets put into Europe just for those two applications. It, it's important to note that a guy as as intelligent as Harold, I mean, he he got it almost immediately. And it's a weird phenomena to think about Actigel working in two completely different applications, such as those that were you know aforementioned, but not when you really realize what the product is and how it works, because a lot of people in our industry, they will compare it to a typical chemical additive, whatever that may be, a VMA or high range or, or something of the like, where you have a chemical that is reacting with the cement within the formulation, whereas the Actigel product is a mineral additive and it works mechanically. So anytime you need suspension, should it be in a dry mix or a wet mix, 
the act of jail is going to provide the same benefits regardless. Um, and it takes a while to make people realize that phenomenon, that it's working mechanically. And, you know, Harold picked it up right away. And to his credit, I mean, he, he knew what he was working with much faster than, than most people realize, ourselves included. Well, let's dive real quick into the technical side of that because you started to go into the, down that road. One of the interesting things I think about is how we often get compared. I say we as in people who are pushing the Axel product. The Axel product often gets compared to a VMA, viscosity modifiers. But Axel is not really a viscosity modifier. It's actually a rheology modifier. And those terms can get bounced around back and forth, but they're not really the same thing. And a rheology modifier is one that is actually going to change the flow and settling characteristics of a concrete, where a viscosity modifier is really just thickening the mix up. They're really two different things that are having similar but not the same function. So when you put a rheology modifier in concrete, let's just take SCC concrete as an example, and you say you're pumping a high-strength SCC mix through a line pump, it's going up, uh, let's just say, for example, like 15 stories, and it's depositing on the deck. And the pump company, of course, wants to push that mix to its limits. They want it as wet as possible. They want to go through that line. But we all know that when it goes through that soft and hard line, that high lands on the deck, it's going to tighten up by the time it gets up there. So you want it as wet as possible down at the bottom so your guys up top are having a decent time, but not too dry at the bottom because it's going to get locked in those lines and the pump's going to have a tough day. But when you got it wet like that, between every stroke of the piston, the rocks are going to want to settle. They're trying to settle in the pipeline, in the pump, you know, in the pump hopper. But luckily, it's those piston strokes are fast enough that you're not really getting true settling. But as those trucks swap out, I mean, if you're downtown and your truck's having a hard time getting there because of traffic, or even if you're not downtown, you had a gate stick at the ready mix plant, and you're up there beating on it, <laughs> trying to because that's how we fix things in ready mix. You beat on with a hammer. You get that gate unstuck, so you can actually load the cement and get this truck on the road. And you got a five or ten minute gap with a traditional VMA. You could, especially one where you're using a true SEC, where you've got a really high 26 inch spread, maybe even higher if you can get it. Those rocks are falling to the bottom. But that's with a viscosity modifier. But with a rheology modifier, that's not the case. Because it not only works when the mix is in motion to be uh, an incredible flow regime, but when that energy is departed from the concrete, it still stays in excellent suspension. So the rocks don't fall to the bottom. They don't clog the hopper. And whenever the next ready mix truck shows up, that's fine. You know, as long as the cement doesn't cure between those trucks rolling up, you're going to be okay. And whatever the mix looks like going into the hopper or the pump, that's what it's going to look like when it comes out the other end because you're using a rheology modifier, not a viscosity modifier. So there's some really small granular technical details that differentiate a rheology modifier from a viscosity modifier. And then Josh was going to the next level, talking about how it's a mineral. And so when you are a mineral that can impart thixotropy, then that's the next level. We've, we've just gone, you know, we've there are levels to this, as Josh likes to say, and now we've gone up another level. 
Yeah. So when, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the, the mineral additive working mechanically, essentially it, it works upon itself. The actigel mineral, about two micron in length, was it 25 nanometers in diameter, uh, something like that, super, super small. When it comes in contact with water, the salt or salinity of, of the water will activate these magnetic charges where the ends of that rod are positively charged and the axis is negatively charged. And these actigel minerals that are super small, we're talking parts per billion, they will actually associate with themselves. They will work to coat all the dry materials within your formulation. And if we're talking concrete here, we're not just talking about cement. We're talking about sand. We're talking about aggregate, uh, all your dry materials. It coats all of that. And then at rest, the actigel particles will associate with one another and literally build a three-dimensional matrix, suspending and dispersing all your dry materials in what we like to call a homogeneous mixture. Well, as close as you can get with concrete anyway. Right, mm -hmm. right, 100%. And I mean, and if you're talking about a formulation with varying shapes and sizes and densities, I mean, you can't get a better example than a concrete mixture. I mean, you're talking about the difference between 57 stone and a grain of sand, and you need to be able to suspend all of that and everything in between, you know, and, and that's where, you know, formulation such as that is where Actigel really shows its true potential. So, you know, at rest, it's, it's uh, associated with itself, positive to negative, and to axis on these minerals, um, but it also takes a relatively low amount of energy to disassociate uh, so when you add a little bit of energy, they will actually flow laminarly and keep everything in suspension while energy is being applied. And then when that energy is taken away, it becomes stable once again. And that switching back and forth between motion and stability, the ability for the actigel to work is infinite as long as the formulation doesn't set up. I mean, it doesn't change set time. So over a course of time, you know, that concrete's going to get hard. But until it does, Actigel will continue to help that change between flow and stability. Yeah, I want to comment two things there. Because what you just described is thixotropy. Right. And in concrete, it can be seen, whether it's an SCC concrete or even a curb mix, you can see that thixotropy where you can take a concrete that has Actigel in it that is, appears loose and then you take the energy away from it, and it has the ability to hold itself up. And so I love seeing that in curbs. But I got to give a shout out to one of our coworkers, uh, Jeff Carr, who is the king of metaphors and analogies around here. He and thinks he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Some of them are better than others. Yeah. But he very like day one of working here. Uh, he he asked me. He was like, "Do you know what thixotropy is?" And I was like, "I have no idea what that is." And said, all right, well, the best example I can think of is a tube of toothpaste. And it really is the greatest example of thixotropy, where if you had a tube of toothpaste and you tried to turn it upside down, the toothpaste doesn't fall out. But you squeeze it, put a little bit of energy into it, and it comes right out of the tube. And as soon as you take that energy away, toothpaste stands on end on your toothbrush. Now, that's extreme thixotropy. Actigel is imparting much less <laughs> coercion than that on the thixotropy department. Uh, but still, that it's that type of phenomenon that allows it to be so good in curb. Um, but the fact that it's not overpowering 
allows it to be good in conventional concrete and SEC concrete as well. So let's uh, pick back up with the story of how we got here. So where we left off basically was in Europe uh, when we were putting ActaGel or Harold was putting ActaGel in puts and uh, several other applications over there. So what happens now what, or what happened then? It jumps back across the pond to the United States. So what did Dennis and what did all of our uh, leadership at the time, what happened then? You know, Harold makes a million bucks <laughs> in a year. And we're like, well, okay, well, let's, we'd like to make, you know, millions of dollars here. Let's bring that back over here. So uh, they did what they always do, man. Uh, former senior vice president of this company, Bob Purcell, they handed it to him. They said, here, take this, go make money with it. And he said, well, you know, I don't know anything about concrete, but Bob, you know, being an incredibly bright guy, he said, I'll go learn it. And so he searched around and he found the NRMCA short course down in Silver Spring. He said, oh, here we go. Four days, five days, get a, you know, a college degree's worth of concrete knowledge shoved in my head. I'll do that. That was November of 2011. Just so happened in the back row of that room, sitting right next to Bob Purcell, was me. Lafarge had sent me there to get my concrete technologist uh, two and three uh, certification from NRMCA. And of course, Colin Lobo's picking on me the whole time because nobody wants to answer questions in these things. He's asking questions like crazy. Everybody just looking around, you know, trying to shuffle papers. And so Colin knew me from MTSU. So he's constantly calling on me, make, making me answer all the things. And I look over to my left and Bob Purcell's right there and he is taking notes furiously. And, you know, after three days of this, he, he turns and looks at me, and, and I haven't taken a single note, having to open the book, because, I mean, this is literally what we had graduated learning. And he, he says, well, how do you know all this? I said, well, this I went to college for this. You know, I got out a few years ago. I mean, this this is what I do. This is everything I, I learned. And I, and I know Colin from that. That's why he keeps picking on me. And he, he said, would you like a job? and this was a tough time at Lafarge you know going into 2012 because the recession had hit and in 2010 uh, Lafarge just sent out a company-wide memo saying hey we're going to decrease our operating budget by 2 billion euros so everybody's head was on a chopping block and so in the United States they started by selling off things on the west coast and it just moved east. So we saw the West Coast get sold, the Rocky Mountain stuff. They had a, a wonderful aggregates business there, very profitable, gone. Um, and it was headed to Kansas City where I was. And so every day you showed up to work, there were dudes in suits, accounting nerds, and their job was to go through and find who to fire. And you would just walk out in the parking lot and you'd see people cleaning out their trucks. It was horrible. Every day it was horrible. The worst work environment you could ever imagine knowing that every day somebody was there looking to figure out who they could fire. And they came into that testing lab where we worked. It was the, they called it the Kansas City Performance Center. So we did all the concrete testing, all the comparative testing. We tested uh, Lafarge cements as well as competitor cements, did fly ash testing, did a ton of stuff in that place. And I'll never forget when they walked in. I give a lot of credit to Tina Tokolsky, who was running that. A uh, little outfit there and they walked in and they were like yep we think we're just going to contract out this lab because you guys cost like 600 grand a year 
uh, we're just going to farm this out. And she said, all right, well, before you fire everyone here, maybe you should take a look at what that would cost. And she pulled out a printed report of every single thing we'd done each year for like the last four years with costs of what it would have cost you if you went to a third-party lab. She said, we did $2.1 million worth of testing last year, and that is all in-house, so no one else has access to that data except us, and it only cost you 600000 Wow. And those bean counters said, thank you for your time, walked out and left us alone. <laughs> Absolutely incredible boss move. That lady was so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it just turned those suits right around. So they went back over to the cement sales department and just fired everybody over there. It was unbelievable. So, you know, but it was still weird. It was still a depressing place to work because every day somebody was getting fired, even if we felt like our jobs were safe. So at that exact same time, get seated next to Bob Purcell, um, and he offers me a job to come work for Active Minerals. Says, "Hey, we got this rheology modifier. Uh, it's pretty awesome." Uh, it seems like it does some cool stuff. He handed me some test reports. The reports were unbelievable. Turned out they were too good to be true, and that data was a little bit flawed. <laughs> so, But it <laughs> had me hooked. I was like, holy cow, this is crazy. And he says, hey, why don't you come down, build us a concrete lab, uh, put you in Georgia. And that was cool for me, getting back to the southeast, starting a concrete lab, starting something from scratch. And came in, man, we got it off the ground and immediately made a bunch of friends in Atlanta, and you know, here we are today, man. Yeah, but there's a lot between that and here we are today. <laughs> yeah, that's li- that's literally one of my favorite stories. Because what are the chances that you and Bob sat next to each other that week? You could have sat on the front row, you know, because you knew Colin. And yeah, Bob being Bob, uh, he probably would have came up to you and you know whatever else. But now just the odds of you two guys being there—that's incredible to me. Bob always has his head on a swivel, for sure. I mean, he's and, and then once he kind of gets you in his sights, he can be a very uh, persuasive individual, for sure. And then couple that with the fact that you are already open to making a move, and he, he made you a, a, an offer that was in line with what you wanted to do anyway, so it was just kind of a, a match. But I, I took that same course, too, but I didn't have four years of college to, to fall back on, so I couldn't. I could only name you one other person in that course because I knew them previously, but I couldn't even tell you where they sat. I, my head was in the book, <laughs> and I was concentrating and focusing. So you know, I give Bob a lot of credit because there he is trying to learn stuff, but at the same time he's networking and trying to make a hire. And Man, that, that course is no joke. It took every bit of attention that I had to get through that class. So Bob did all of that, plus you know, hired somebody to head up the concrete division of his, of his company. What? What's funny, too, is he took me to Chick-fil-A at lunch because Chick-fil-A could walk to from there for lunch. Mm-hmm. And he said, here, let me buy you lunch, please. This is like on the third day or so, fourth day or so. He said, hey, I already talked to uh, the president of our company. He said, I can offer you a job. How much do you make? I'll pay you more. I'll move you to Georgia. Let's go. I was like, hell yeah. I like all the way this company. All that over the Lord's chicken? What better day could you have? <laughs> the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I was like, I like the way this company works. This is awesome. It was Because so, it was complete opposite of LaForge, where they yeah. stole your idea. Well, sorry, LaForge, but this is true. <laughs> what? <laughs> nah, let it go. Let it rip, man. Yeah. I'm leaving that in there. So we... Uh, <laughs> 
So I was like, this is awesome. And uh, I'll never forget, like, they had already, like, I'd already accepted the job. And they go, hey, you need to come in for an interview. I'm like, dude, I already put in my notice. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what, what are we interviewing for? I thought we did that at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and uh, so I, they flew me out here to Baltimore uh, to interview everyone. It was the weirdest thing, interviewing as a formality. Um, but I don't think the other people knew it was a formality. Right. But, like, Bob and Dennis were like, sorry, this is a formality, but, like, don't tell them we already hired you. I was like, okay. I love the way this place works. This is what I'm talking about. And, and I'll tell you what, that concept hasn't changed a bit. No. <laughs> Listen, this is what we're going to do. Don't tell HR. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Finley went to his interview with Active Minerals with a pay stub from Active Minerals in his pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's some ball stuff there. So I asked him later, I was like, what if the head of R&D, the VP of R&D or whatever he was, whatever his title was at that time, uh, what if he, like, didn't like me or didn't like my resume or didn't like my background or whatever? And like, yeah, he'd have been real upset when we hired you anyway. <laughs> he didn't get to make the rules. The CEO makes the rules. The CEO said you're hired. I'm like, this is crazy. This yep. is awesome. Yep. That's that's the benefit of being a part of a company that is big but not too big. Yeah. Well, technically at that time, we were considered a small company, mm-hmm. a small business, technically. Even though you say how much money is generated around here. You're like, it's hard to believe it's considered a small business in the United States, but whatever. Yeah, it's all relative. So I think we're technically medium-sized or whatever the classification is. <laughs> but what it really was was how lean we were. Still are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of red tape. They Like from the time we started here and just for like timeline sake, uh, they offered, or I met Bob in November. I was hired officially in January. And then eight months later, Josh joins AMI. And then eight, ten months, eight to ten months after that, Joey joins AMI. So we've all been here for about ten years. And in that ten years, the amount of red tape and bureaucracy that this company has tried to, like, jam into this lean framework blows my mind. I will happily disagree with you there. We don't have a lot of bureaucracy because we fight that shit tooth and nail with everything we have. And actually, and I will give Paul, I will give Paul a lot of credit about being a good leader and realize who he has rowing the boat with him. Because I, I know there have been multiple occasions, but here's one example where HR wanted me to take like a 40-hour safety training course when we got that uh, new lab up here or something like that and they're like listen ain't no way josh is gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) how about we take like a one day forklift safety course (laughs) like i'll do the formal training (laughs) ain't no way josh is gonna sit there for 40 hours (laughs) yeah it was an osha thing yeah they're like yeah we gotta have have him do this crazy osha training no listen man (laughs) (laughs) that's not gonna happen I was like, is there any way we could shorten this? Like, well, you can just take a 10-hour. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Let's do that. Let's do that. But yeah. we did take the forklift training. Yeah. We did that the right way. They're like a company. How many, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. I really thought the only way you train people on machinery was like you had the old guy get in at first. Say, this lever goes this way. This lever mm-hmm. goes that way. Show me. Having a certificate's real nice on those uh, bigger jobs where they take safety very seriously because you can just show them that mm-hmm. and you get a... 
fancy sticker for your hard hat and you go about your business. Yep. All right, Paul. So let's go back. You've uh, you moved to Georgia. Uh, you got the concrete lab up and running down there. You're testing active gel and concrete. Uh, you've kind of figured out what it can and cannot do in the, in pretty much all kinds of concrete formulations. They then tell you to go sell this stuff. Now what happens? <laughs> <laughs> right. So you're talking to a guy who is uh, a lab guy, right? A lab guy at Lafarge, lab guy at Active Minerals. And I told him, I was like, look, I really don't want to be in the lab the rest of my life. And then six months into the job, they said, hey, got some good news. You're not going to be in the lab full-time anymore. You need to go out and sell this to people. I was like, awesome. Well, how do I do that? I'm like, well, you just tell them how awesome it is, and they'll buy it. <laughs> this is where 90% of our audience begins to chuckle. <laughs> so, like, I knew the product was cool because I had just spent every day for six months putting it through its paces. And give AMI a lot of credit. We spent a lot of money setting up that lab. We had a lot of cool equipment and uh, gained a lot of knowledge. Look, put it through almost every mixed design type you could think of. It, so it was really cool. So when I went over to Atlanta, I at least had the knowledge of what I had was legit. And so there was a bit of confidence there that when we're talking to these people that they're going to, I'm going to be able to show them exactly what I'm saying. Um, and so guys like Thomas Concrete, Argos Concrete, um, Argos Cement as well, you know, these guys really took us in and heard us out. And the testing that we did early on showed such phenomenal results that they started putting in the things that I had never thought about. And they're running them through tests that we had no way of replicating in our lab. And the amount of knowledge that we gained in that period of 2012 to 2013 was incredible. But beyond that, the amount of sales we got were incredible. So that's when, in the summer of 2013, they pulled me into the office and said, hey, where can we find another one of you? <laughs> I said, well, just so happens I got a buddy working in Virginia. He's a, He's got a better beard than I could ever grow. Uh, but, you know, otherwise, we're, we're the same thing. They said, fantastic. He's hired. Bring him in here for another formal interview. You you were already hired. But <laughs> maybe you should tell, <laughs> maybe you should tell people uh, what, what they put you through when you came here. Yeah, so... Uh, Paul, you know, he called me and asked me if I wanted to interview for this job. I had no idea that I'd already been hired. Uh, so to me, you know, I had to put my best foot forward, and I would have regardless. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was pretty news to me later that they had already, you know, I, I didn't necessarily go to the interview with a paste-up in my pocket like Paul did, uh, but uh, apparently the decision had already been made. So I... Uh, I had to take a day off from work to go interview. I actually interviewed, I interviewed on my birthday, if I remember correctly. May 3rd, I'm, I interviewed on my birthday. It was a Friday. And I drove up to Sparks uh, that morning. And I, uh, I was asked, I think it was from our former VP, Rudy. He had, had asked me to kind of put together a presentation about or what I did at my current job or then job, which was um, 
I guess my official title at uh, Atlantic Contracting and Materials was plant engineer, which entailed everything from running the loader, sweeping the <laughs> sweeping the floor in the batch house, <laughs> uh, making concrete beams, uh, driving a ready mix truck on the airport property. I didn't have to have a CDL, so I would drive literally everything. I ran any equipment that we owned. If it could get cranked, I could drive that thing. So they asked me to put together this presentation about basically what I did. And so I put together a presentation about how we, you know, we prepped a, prepped a job site for portable plants, how we put up the plants, um, got material in there, got the plant up and running, ran the plant. And then when we broke down the plant, it was just a big, long process with pictures and everything else. And looking back now, I think they just wanted to see how I acted in front of a crowd of people because I was 100% a field guy. Like, I didn't see the inside of things. <laughs> I didn't. I saw the inside of the batch house when I was batching concrete. I saw the inside of trucks. I saw the inside of equipment. I didn't. I had no office. You know, there there was none of that. So they, I think they knew that I had the field experience and that I knew my way around concrete and everything to do with concrete. They just needed to see if I was just an old field guy that didn't know how to talk to anybody. Luckily for me, I can talk to anybody. And uh, I'll never forget, I was up there doing my presentation. And uh, I know, you know, Dennis, I guess, knew my backstory from whatever Paul had told him or just whatever. He knew I was from the South. I grew up in the country, uh, grew up on a farm, the whole spiel. And I'll never forget, Dennis asked me if I knew, if I'd ever eaten squirrel, just like, <laughs> like randomly in the, in the middle of my presentation. He, uh, Dennis just pipes up and out in the back. He goes, "Have you ever eaten squirrel?" And I forget what my answer was. It was some kind of, you know, kind of half smart aleck answer that I have for pretty much anything. And uh, he just kind of laughed. A few weeks later, I was hired. I started the day after Memorial Day in 2013. I was as far from a salesman as you could get, and uh, I'd never really traveled that much uh, before I got to AMI. And within the first few weeks of June, they sent my little happy butt to Phoenix <laughs> on a uh, on a shotcrete demo where it was 120 degrees all day long. And we started. I remember we started at like four in the morning, or uh, three or four, like halfway in the middle of the night. And we stopped and we ended before noon. But it was it was baptism by fire, you know, just putting the. Uh, Actigel into concrete. I didn't know anything about Actigel either, but I just knew concrete. It was a wild ride from the get-go. And then Josh comes into the company uh, before Joey, but they had him on the other side of the business mm-hmm. selling our base products. And Josh was itching to get out of that that side of the business. And once we brought Joey on, sales exploded again. So we're like, hey, need more people. And uh, knowing Josh... That he did, he wanted to get out of the Kalen side of the business. Uh, we're like, man, we should get that guy. And uh, so thankfully, he heard us out. And how did that happen? Who came to you and said, hey, you should join the Actigel team? Bob, yeah, I, th- I think um, it was a little bit of a combination of uh, Bob making me aware of the job and then me coming to Bob because the the job was – uh, posted on the website and made available to the public or whatever. I was made aware that the job posting even existed. Uh, so then I came to Bob, and I think we both kind of came to the conclusion at the same time that, that I would be you know good for the position. 
But yeah, to your point, I was ready to make a change for sure to get away from uh, the clay sales side of the business. Because unlike you two concrete slump monkeys, uh, (laughs) I already had sales experience. And, uh, you know, that was pretty much the first... uh, the first element of many as to how I kind of differentiated from you guys, because where I had the sales experience that you didn't have, you had the concrete knowledge that I didn't have. So uh, between the three of us, we kind of meshed pretty well. And, uh, you know, I took the NRMCA short course and I learned concrete trial by fire by going out on job sites with Joey and Paul and Bob and, you know, everybody else and made a lot of presentations about stuff I didn't have a full understanding of of the time <laughs> but, but I battled through and I answered questions and, and uh, you know gosh it's it's crazy to think that that was uh, almost eight years ago so with that I had knowledge of the ActiGel product because we were messing with it with some paints and some uh, joint tape compound drywall mud and uh, and some other applications where we were trying to use it to replace some other thixotropic products such as atapolgite. Um, our issue there was when you replace those products, you were left with a void because the dosage rate was a lot more concentrated. So it was um, one of those very, very long sales processes where you were trying to talk a company into reformulating everything they had. And it was, it was tough. So I can't even imagine trying to talk those people into that. Just impossible. But it's funny, like while they had you chasing down that on the clay side joey was doing so well with the concrete they took me and tried to put me into mining and they're like okay we want you to in, in mining there were two sides of the process that actually works in that same phenomena of keeping things suspended so they can flow really well and then also say suspended flow really well remain suspended that works in the mine backfill which is the waste disposal process and it also works in mineral transport slurry. So when you've mined the good stuff out of the ground, a lot of times where you mined it and where you process it are is a long way away. And so you, they push it through a pipeline with water to the other end. And if you can get a higher percentage of solids in that pipeline without increasing the pump pressures, then you just made that company a ton of money. So Axagel does that on the good side, and then it, makes it easier to dispose of the waste on the backside. So I was working on that. That became so crazy that Josh got roped into that. We had like four people working on uh, like one account because it was just so insane. And now we've got the next big one. Uh, I'll be in Indonesia here soon for that. Not exactly thrilled to spend a month in Indonesia, but... I mean, it is what it is. It, it's funny to mention as well, Joey has his uh, his first real work experience being in Phoenix in the middle of summer. I remember one of my first real working experiences was in Sudbury, Canada, which is about 200 miles north of Lake uh, Michigan uh, on the northwestern side of Ontario. I got to go up there in February, and uh, I saw negative 40 degrees. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it's almost like they knew what they were doing when they sent Joey and I to our first work experiences. Ah, uh, yeah. The coldest temperature I ever saw was Sudbury. It was like February. It was negative 28. If you've never experienced negative 28, please try never to experience negative 28. Because <laughs> just walking from the hotel 
to the car in the parking lot, everything inside of your nose crystallizes in ice immediately. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard to even describe how fast the process was at that cold of a temperature. So the whole time you're just doing your best to stay out of that cold of a temperature. And those people in Sudbury are crazy. They live there, number one. It's it's like this all the time. This wasn't like a rare polar vortex. This was just Tuesday. (laughs) And so they live there on purpose. And they're just like, yeah, it's not that bad. It's only negative 15 today. (laughs) (laughs) You are out of your mind. It was horrible. I'm so glad. I haven't been there like two and a half years. I don't think I've been there since the fall of 2019. And if I never have to go back, I'll be perfectly okay. I remember those days in like 20, well, all through, like I said, I started after Memorial Day 2013. So all through the sec- the second half of 2013, uh, all through 2014 and into 2015, we were going literally everywhere in the country. Like as soon as we got wind that somebody wanted to try some Actigel and something, we packed up and left and went mm-hmm. to those people. How many times does TSA stop you with a bag of Actigel? In your suitcase. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun fact. If you go through TSA with a bag of Actigel in your suitcase, it pops up as uh, like human remains for some reason. I guess because it's like organic matter uh, or something. But yeah, a big <laughs> big 12-pound bag of Actigel looks like a human head, apparently. So that's always fun. Uh, well, but, I figured out what it really is. Uh, it actually looks like cremation dust. Ah. Uh, R.I.P. Pops. I, uh, when I had to bring his... <laughs> this went dark. Uh, I had to bring his remains a couple months ago from Florida back up here to spread his ashes. I got popped at uh, security. It was in my mm-hmm. carry-on. And they're like, are these human remains? Yes, they are. <laughs> and they're like, okay, carry on. Like, right this way, Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, sorry, my dad, you know. <laughs> they're like, okay, bud, just, uh, you know, carry on. So, yeah, so that's I, I learned that's why they kept thinking it was human remains on the TSA screen. Yeah, it was it was wild. Uh, we got companion pass and A-list preferred in like six months, you know, on Southwest because we were traveling so much. I remember uh, traveling with Actigel on the plane down to Houston for some work. And coming back or on the way down there, I had a five-gallon bucket of Actigel, and I carried one of them as my carry-on. Like, that was my personal, that was my item to stick up in the overhead bin. I walked onto this airplane with a five-gallon bucket, hashtag redneck. I remember walking on the plane, and, like, I (laughs) walked on the plane with this thing, and I started, like, shoving it in the overhead bin, and uh, the flight attendant was like, what is that? And I, I told her, I was like, this is some, I got five, I got a five gallon bucket full of white powder, enough for everybody. (laughs) 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 I just shoved it up in there. And then when we landed, I just opened that, I opened the overhead, just knowing that that thing came open and that Actigel was going to be all over the place, but luckily it wasn't. But Shotcrete was a big thing back then for us. And, uh, it still is, it's still a good market for Actigel because it works so well, but We'd be all over the place with, you know, pool crews, sole, you know, sole nailing retaining walls, uh, you name it. Shotcrete was the name of the game, I remember, in like 2014. Speaking of that, if people aren't aware, right now the big thing that actual is into right now are these big box warehouses, specifically allowing these companies that are pumping and finishing that concrete to use 100% manufactured sand, and it's really easy for them to do. 
And so that is also in some permanent plants, not just these portable sites. It's also in some permanent plants and expanding many times over into these permanent plants for residential concrete as well as pump aid, finishing aid, and in some places the ability to use 100% man sand because they're having trouble getting natural sand. So that's the big thing. But we went through like 50 applications <laughs> on our way to that. Uh, I'd like to go around here. Give me the best one you saw and the worst experience you had putting Actil into concrete. Yeah, we don't want the listeners to think that it was all rainbows and unicorns. Um, you know, we, we learned a lot. We went through a lot. Uh, I think one mistake that we made early on was we promised too much. Uh, if we had one success story with Actigel, we extrapolated that to the entire subgroup of the industry saying, like, um, well, I mean, we can fix this problem. And it wasn't always the case. And my, my worst case scenario that I would bring up piggyback into the point I just made was the precast industry because there are so many variables in the precast industry where we had one uh, initial uh, trial or job that we were on and Actigel made that precast look absolutely beautiful. Best looking precast I've seen to date and we're talking about something that was like eight years ago now. But then what's what we quickly figured out was that precast is also super dependent on your forms, on your release agent, on the mix design itself, on who's pouring the forms that day. There's so many variables that go into that that Actigel just just can't overcome physically. It can make a precast mix design better, but it's not going to alleviate all your issues. But you're right. The first one we ever did, we solved the problem 100%. Yep, and we made a case study and a sell sheet, and I got my butt on a plane to go sell Actigel and precast, (laughs) and I struck out... I struck out trying to sell Active Joe in a precast. I look like Chris Davis out there striking out for the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles just every single time I went up to bat. <laughs> wow, that is an, an inside joke here. I hope somebody out there is a Baltimore Orioles fan listening to this and knows that Crush Davis, <laughs> who got paid $100 million in the next season, struck out 160 times. Yeah, true story. <laughs> he was a gold glove first baseman, though. <laughs> oh, is that what you're going with now? The guy who batted third, nicknamed Crush, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. was a gold glove first baseman. Yeah, paid $100 million for a gold glove. Anyway, yeah, so that would that would be my story for, for Actigel. It's just the conglomerate of precast demos I went on where Actigel helped, but very marginally, and guys were like, we're not going to pay for this. The hardest part of that was trying to explain it to upper management. Yeah. Like, hey, this actually doesn't work like we thought it did, and we should stop promoting it. Right. And they were like, no, no, no. We saw what it did at Hanson. Yeah. Yeah, we know. We did too. And yeah. let me tell you about the other eight that I just went on, the other six that Joey just went on, and the other ten that Josh just went on. And none of those worked. And then I've got three more between the three of us where it did work. Well, yeah. that's like a 20% success rate, and that's not going to cut it because <laughs> – your reputation is everything in this business. If people think you're out there selling snake oil, mm-hmm. you're never going to do anything. And we knew we had something real. And you couldn't be out in a business where you're a 20% hit rate. It's right. unbelievable. Right. Also, stop telling everybody this stuff cures cancer. <laughs> you know, Actigel is very good. <laughs> Actigel is very good at, at a few things that, that we tout today. But, I mean, when we first got started, 
you would have thought if you sprinkled it in your Cheerios, you would have turned into Jason Bourne. Uh, it was, you know, every every good thing that it's ever done in the lab, we made a sell sheet about it. Where it's like, listen, yeah. we throttle this back and tell everybody that's an excellent pump aid, and it helps with finishability, and you know all the things that we say now. But man, before before we were promising a little too much, I think. But what's your best story? Curb, any curb, I don't care. Any curb or extruded barrier wall, active gel is, and I'll state my reputation on this, active gel is the shit. And any extruded concrete. And the, the trick is uh, getting an applicator that's willing to pay for it. Yeah, that was the problem early on because all we had was powder active gel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, stuff's just expensive to make. Yeah. And then the ready-mix company wants to add money on top of that. Yeah, we should certainly go into that how offering a powder product and changing to offering a liquid product alleviated a lot of pains for our job. It's a game changer. Yeah, game changer. So now the liquid product's introduced same way all the other additives are, direct feed dispensers, badger meters, just normal stuff. Ties right into the batch program, PLCs. Dude hits a button, calls it up, just like everything else, just automatically dispenses. That is a massive change for us. But that's interesting, Curb. Uh, you were the guy that started that for us. And with it being liquid actual, it's a little bit less expensive. Well, way less. Way less. Yeah. Expensive. Mm-hmm. We charge way less for it. But it costs us so much less to make. So we had to make a decision at Active Minerals. Do we want to increase our profit share on what we're selling now and switch everybody to liquid? Or do we lower the price on the liquid and gain more market share? And thank God we convinced them <laughs> to lower the price. <laughs> and our market share exploded. It went up. It went down. It's back up now. It's phenomenal what the man sand is doing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll tell you my worst. Worst story I ever had. Whew. Haunts me. Sometimes I'll wake up with a sweat in the night just remembering <laughs> how you, bad that day was. Are you telling the South Africa story? No. No, no. Oh. I'm keeping it to concrete. Okay. okay. Keeping it in concrete. There was a job we got on with deep foundation pilings. For the people that don't know, Active Gel is awesome at that too. But it actually needs another component. If you're going to go really deep into sandy soils and they're going to be inserting re- rebar cages 150 feet down into the earth, um, if you combine it with an ether, a cellulose ether, I mean, not, not ether, a cellulose, cellulose either like half the cellulose dose rate put it in there with an active gel normal dose rate you have the most phenomenal deep foundation grout you could ever want and we had done some work with one of the big there's only a few of those companies out of there you know like a dozen out there that even (laughs) do this so i don't you know i thank them a lot for letting us come out there they bought a bunch of active gel um but go out to corpus christi texas beautiful working with them they made this grout in the lab it was phenomenal they had been using the equivalent of like a nine sack mix which sounds high to like normal concrete people but in this world that's normal because they need to pump it has to pump it's going up like 150 feet in the air and then eventually it's going to fall 300 feet once it hits the bottom of that hole and so you really need to have a grout that holds itself together and the active gel grout they made, it is still to this day 
the most beautiful grout I've ever seen. Unbelievable. We took two sacks of cement. It went from a nine-sack mix to a seven-sack mix, and it looked better than the control. And so all the testing we had done, whether it was in the lab or in the field, was just pumping, you know, like 300 feet through the soft line. And so they get out on the job, and they have a bad day, and they called me, and I'm in Baltimore, and they're in Corpus Christi, and they called me, and they're like, hey, we got a problem. You need to get here. Paid $1,000 for, an, like, an immediate red-eye flight to Texas, got my butt there, stayed. One of the only times I broke my rule about staying in a hotel with doors on the outside, I was in a... <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how many times I've told that to people, and they're like, that is brilliant. <laughs> So I'm in the La Quinta Inn, and uh, the guy says, hey, just maybe there first thing in the morning to show up on the site. He actually drives me to the site. I rode with him. He says, all right, here's what laying leads means, propping it up. We're going to pump this grout. So I went out there. We got to look at it. Grout looked phenomenal. So I was sitting there watching it get poured out on the ground. Great. As soon as they hooked it up to the freaking tower, to the, cra- to the giant crane with the tower cage, it, it everything just went completely sideways. The water's being pounded out of the sand of grout. Nothing's holding together. And they're having to break down these lines and break down the leads, and they have to lay them over again, which is an incredibly labor-intensive process. So to do that over and over, so we went from seven-site mix to an eight-site mix to a nine-site mix. And at this point, we're back to what they started with, and they still can't get it to work with Actichel. And, I mean, you want to talk, it's 100 degrees out there. People are working their tails off, and it is the worst day I've ever had on a job site. And they're looking at me like, this is your fault. What did you do? And I was like, I don't know. I have no idea what I did wrong. I'm calling anybody on our team I can get a hold of. I'm FaceTiming with our guys in Australia, and I'm, like, sending them FaceTime video of the sand I'm like, do you see anything crazy here? I'm losing my mind. I can't figure out what we're doing wrong. By the end of the day, they had taken the gel out. They were up to 11-sack cement mix so that they could finish pouring those holes for the day that they absolutely had to do for these deep foundation piles. Mm. Uh, And they looked at me and said, I'll take my refund. See ya. Mm. You know, and that guy who I was working with, he and I went to the bar at the end of that day. And he just said, I don't know what to tell you, man. It, it's not working. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know what to tell you. I feel terrible because we pride ourselves the way we make money. The reason we make the money we do is because when something goes wrong, we have the ability to fix it. We can look at concrete and know what changes to make to fix that concrete. And I couldn't that day. And that just crushed me. That was my worst day with Axel. Yeah. You have any thoughts in hindsight? No, I still have no idea. Really? <laughs> uh, the only thing I would say is what I prefaced it with was knowledge that I didn't learn later when we started doing stucco work in Florida mm. is that when you have to run the test where the water egress test under pressure, I forget what the code is, but the Axel alone doesn't do a very good job of uh, like holding the water in that. But if you combine it with cellulose, 
it does a phenomenal job of Dang. holding the water into the mix and not letting it get pushed out under hydrostatic pressure into the sandy soils. Had I known that then, yes, I would have paired it and I would have sold it. So I guess the answer to your question is yes, I do have thoughts now. But like in that day, could I have done anything different with the amount of knowledge I had? No. Right. But now I know more and I wish I could go back and have that one over. We could have solved that problem. Yeah. But i tell you best day. Best day was actually when we were doing uh, mining backfill. And so it's a cementitious mix. Um, but we had spent ridiculous amounts of money and time and effort with this one account to get this done. And then we sent truckloads of totes of Actigel up here because they consume it like crazy. And when that whole trial, all of us on this call participated in that trial, but when that went well, with I mean, just as perfectly as anything has ever gone, and I got to experience Sudbury in the summertime. <laughs> it is nice in the summer. <laughs> the only time ever I've been there in the summer. I mean, that that really was a defining moment for our group and for this division to really solidify ourselves in a market. And I tell you, that that feeling of putting Actigel on something no one else has ever put it into and making it work and building a business around that, I mean, to me, there's no better feeling. Being like, yeah, that didn't exist before the three of us on this call worked our tails off, and now it exists. And then we've done that with multiple applications in concrete and mining where there was no business, and we built it from nothing, and now it exists. No, that that is pretty cool. I mean, basically, you're in startup mode all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, we are. Yeah, we're essentially running a startup inside of uh, an existing company. Yeah. And so when you, know, you look and see the millions that we're bringing in, it's just a start. And uh, there's no better feeling than that, too, knowing the, how well it's performing with the man sand, replacing these natural sands, and how big that's going to be for us is just I mean, that's how we get up in the morning, get fired up every day. <laughs> what about you, Joey? Your very first job in Phoenix, the very first one you were ever on. And I was explaining to you how great Axigel was in Shotcrete, and it does this great stuff and how amazing it looks. And that day, your very first job, the control mix that they brought was like the greatest Shotcrete mix you've ever seen. <laughs> and we put the Axigel on. It made zero difference at all. I don't know what they were using. <laughs> And he turned around and looked at me. He goes, what the hell did I just get into? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. If I remember correctly, they had like bentonite or something in the mix. It was something like some something kind of they horrible. They did have clay. Yep. They had something a clay horrible. in there. Yeah I, yeah, I bet you all those pools have been ripped out since too. Yeah. So maybe that was their plan. They want to build more pools later. I don't know. Job security You got boys them. from the asphalt division building pools now. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude. If, it's, if it's black, we'll be back. <laughs> dude, it was sketch. Jo- Joey looked at me like, <laughs> what are we doing here? It was awful. It was also that same summer, that those a handful of months after I got hired, where uh, HR would send out an email, uh, somebody got fired. And uh, it was like almost every week or every other week, like some... Like, it wasn't just, like, you know, the, like, plant level, you know, the entry-level positions where, you know, it's it's like a revolving door, you know, in, in the plants down there. No, these were people that we would see. <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and, then, and then all of a sudden, 
all of a sudden we'd get this email and they'd be gone. And I'd be like, golly, man, you got to have your head on a swivel. And uh, Paul said it to, he said to me one day, he's like, yeah, man, around here, you either get promoted or you get fired. <laughs> it was a lot of changeover. It was. But uh, no, that, as far as like the worst day, you know, there, there was just a couple, I mean, there's a, always, you know, those days are just stuff doesn't work right. You know, I remember, um, I don't know, one here recently, we, it was at one of our current customers for Mansand, and uh, we just installed all this equipment, and they had ordered, you know, two loads of Actigel at two different plants, and uh, and we started running with Actigel, and the mix just looked terrible, and uh, I don't know, we fought with this thing for all week, took it back to the lab, and come to find out that uh, the company didn't use enough Mansand uh, before, so they didn't even have a moisture probe in there. So their moistures were just, you know, off the charts. So the man sand was, you know, 10% water. Uh, but, uh, and then we finally figured that out. So those, those, there were always just days like that. And then of course, when you travel internationally, things are always rougher when you're, you know, three or four time zones away from everybody else. And you're, literally a day's flight away from anybody else that you know like uh you take a red eye down to brazil and you'd get off the plane at 7 a.m after flying all night and you'd work all day and go to a job site and just be on the job site for another 10 or 12 hours so those were rough days and then when stuff didn't go right down there it was just compounded because one you were the only person you know in that circle that had english as your first language so you couldn't really, it, it was really hard to convey how to fix things down there. And then, uh, two, you know, you just, I can't just call up somebody and ask, you know, what's wrong because, you know, just the phone plans and, and everything else. So you, you almost feel marooned a little bit when you get down in some of those places. But some of the real good days, I, I think a lot of the real good days involve shotcrete. I mean, you could just see the night and day difference of some of those shotcrete mixes and, to see people having a legit bad problem with their shotcrete mix. And then for us to, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to really toot our horns too much, but basically we would show up, put Actigel in there and it would fix it. And we didn't have to do anything, but to see, to see that you actually helped somebody with something like, man, they, they, you could tell they'd pulled their hair out over, you know, shotcrete not hanging on the wall, the rebound, you know, in an underground application was off the charts, uh, couldn't pump, you know, all the, all the manner of things that could go wrong with a shotcrete mix. And then we show up, put Actigel in there and man, it just, it literally changes some of their lives because we've got customers that have been buying Actigel for, you know, several years now, continuously. Uh, and, uh, just, it's it's hard to think about you know what could have happened. They could have lost a job. They could have lost a couple of those projects if it hadn't been for Actigel helping them out. So I think uh, for me it was just Shockrete in general uh, that Actigel was made for Shockrete, no doubt about it. I got to say too another really great moment that was recent actually when uh, one of Josh's new customers who builds these. Amazon and Walmart distribution centers called us and was like, hey, I wish I'd had you on this project, this project, and this project. You solve all these problems with pumping and finishing. You're now on every submittal automatically for every Amazon and Walmart. And that was just such a cool thing 
to hear that our product had solved their problem to such a degree that they were, it wasn't going to be a situation where they were going to test it in every, every mix to see if it was worth it. They're like, no, it's worth it. You're, you're in on everything. And that was, that was awesome. I mean, that, that call, that shift from where we were 10 years ago, <laughs> where anybody that'd be willing to try it, we were on an airplane, let's go. And <laughs> we're kind of learning as we went to this point to where we have it pretty dialed in on what the product does, how it's going to benefit you. And we get these big customers that see the same thing. And they're like, yeah, it costs less than $2 a yard. <laughs> Let's go, man. <laughs> it's, that's, that's money in the bank. And then lastly, I'll say the other best moment of being at Active Minerals, being part of the ActiGel team, is when we made this podcast. Mm-hmm. Starting the Add Ten Gallons Concrete Podcast. This is still the my, this is my favorite thing that we do. I think this is phenomenal. I like what we started. It's interesting that you know everybody else also started podcasts during the pandemic, but we were one of the first concrete podcasts. And to see some of the other ones that have come out after hours, after they heard ours, and they were like, "Oh, we can do that," and yeah. they started podcasts <laughs> too. And you know what? We say welcome. The more, the merrier. Mm-hmm. filled airways rising tide lift all boats yep. we hope you listen to them all and we appreciate you listening to this one uh, to see the numbers josh kind of mentioned it earlier when we started we lured you in hi we got you <laughs> that was hilarious <laughs> to me hopefully y'all thought that was a little bit funny uh but like our subscriber numbers grow every month downloads grow like crazy i mean already in the first we're not we're four months into this year and we doubled our uh downloads that we had in like the previous 12 months or whatever they doubled because more people are finding the show they're going back downloading the old episodes and there's nothing better to you know at the end of the week you get ready to do your next podcast and you look at the analytics and you see that every single day you know podcasts are being downloaded and that's just there's no better feeling so i'm, I'm glad we're getting some more episodes out i hope people enjoyed this learning the history of actagel you know, how it got put into concrete, what it really does, some of the trials and tribulations we face, some of the things we've done that make us get up in the morning and remember, oh, yeah, there's good days, too. Because <laughs> when you're in business development, you live with the word no quite a bit. <laughs> um, but there's good days, and that's what gets you up here. And uh, we got a good team, so appreciate you all. Yeah, man. Yeah, we, we definitely enjoy doing this podcast uh you guys don't have to edit the damn thing so you probably <laughs> like it way more than i do uh but i still enjoy it <laughs> i still enjoy it i enjoy it a lot actually um it, it's a it was a covid project so there was a lot of time to devote to it back then during the pandemic but mm-hmm. now uh you know, now it is something that we really have to shoehorn into our, our daily schedules. Uh, certainly have no issue in doing so. But if you guys wondered why we started with about three episodes a month and now we're down to about one episode a month or one and a half, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's that's why indeed, because we're out there, you know, keeping the roads hot and, and doing well with this ActiGel product. So uh, we certainly appreciate the support from each and every one of you guys listening and, um, you know, Always, always search us out on Instagram and Facebook and our YouTube page. And of course, you know, this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend about us and, you know, engage with us on social media. You know, I, I put a call in our previous episode. I put a call out to anybody who is willing to talk unions with me. So, uh, (laughs) 
And if you guys got anything else pressing or burning that you want us to talk to uh, talk to you about, um, you know, we, we welcome those topics as well. And if you hate us, be sure and tell all your friends how much you hate us. <laughs> the, the Paul <laughs> brothers and the Kardashians are great examples of how any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, that was a... Uh, fun self-promotional episode and uh you know hopefully we didn't beat everybody over the head too hard with how great active gel is but it is pretty sweet not gonna lie you know maybe uh maybe if our time ever runs out with the active gel product we always got a uh, always got a job in podcast media there i doubt go. it <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all till next time thanks josh appreciate you